You're listening to the Hello Awesome Podcast, and this is episode number 69. Hey guys, welcome back to the podcast. We are back with a solo show. Today, I am going to be wrapping up the Back to the Basics series. It has been real, my friends. This Bible study series really has been opening my eyes and reminding me why I love being apostolic. And I hope it has helped you redefine or even just remind yourself why you love being apostolic. I hope that you have learned so many foundational things about why you believe what you believe. And maybe it just has given you an understanding as to why I believe what I believe. So today I'm going to be talking about holy living. I talk about how we need to be a witness three main ways in how we communicate and what we do and in how we appear. We go into why it's good to be an honest Christian, why it's good to not just talk the talk, but also walk the walk and why modesty can actually be such a great witnessing tool to other people to let them know about Jesus. All right, guys, this is the last episode of the Back to the Basics Bible Study Series. I hope it has blessed you. Please don't hesitate to reach out and let me know how it has touched your life. I know that God has used me through this study because he has brought me revelations for my own self. And I know if God can do it for me, if he can bring me to a place of learning, he can also bring you to a place of growth. So thank you guys so much for all that you do and for supporting the podcast. Here we go, guys. This is episode number 69 that I am calling Back to the Basics, Holy Living. Hey guys, I'm JC. Are you ready for real conversations about faith, business, and life? Me too. This is the Hello Awesome Podcast, where I bring forth topics and truthful insights that will encourage you to make intentional choices and pursue God with your whole heart. Are you ready to say hello to the awesome blessings that God has for you? All right, let's do this. I just wanted to jump in real quick and just let you guys know that my new book, Give It to God Girl, is finished. It is done. And this Friday, July 3rd, pre-orders will open so that you can reserve your copy at a discounted price of only $12. And yes, that does include shipping costs. Guys, I am so excited about this book. If you do pre-order on July 3rd, this Friday, it's going to also include a ton of freebies that I will be sharing with you on Instagram. So make sure you're following me at Hello Awesome Ministries there. You do not wanna miss this great pre-order deal. Give It to God Girl is a devotional that dives into five topics that we have control over and can give to God in exchange for more. Unforgiveness, perfectionism, jealousy, self-deprecation, and disrespect. This book is a written anthem to anyone who needs that boost to become unstuck. Unstuck from being rude to yourself. Unstuck from harboring unforgiveness. Unstuck from the high expectations of being perfect. To be unstuck is to be released from anything that is keeping you back from the promises of God. It's to experience true freedom that only can happen when we let go. It's written in an easy to read format just for you. And it brings truths that we actually don't talk about as believers. God not only is a giver, but is a willing receiver of our messy sins. The same creator of the stars wants relationship with us and is ready to take away anything that we are willing to give up. The question is, are we ready to give up comfortable sins for something better? Mark your calendars for July 3rd this Friday so that you can reserve your copy of the book at the special pre-order price. Hey everyone, welcome to the Hello Awesome podcast. Here we are guys. We are at the end of our Back to the Basics series and I really hope that it's blessed you. When I started feeling led of the Lord to go into these Bible studies, I really didn't understand it. All I knew was that the basics of why we believe what we believe is important. And as these weeks went on, I have received multiple confirmations before every single episode. It really has been incredible. Today, I will be finishing the series by talking about holy living. Now, here's a breakdown of each episode in this Back to the Basics series. So you can go back and listen to them all in order if you haven't already. You might want to write these down somewhere. Episode 46, The Word. Episode 48, 
The Oneness of God. Episode 50, Seek Light. Episode 61, Repentance. Episode 63, Water Baptism. And Episode 65, Holy Ghost Filled. Now, we're finishing up with Episode 69, Holy Living. Now, each of these episodes highlight the steps toward salvation, meaning fully saved and becoming who we're supposed to be in Christ. Before we dive deep into this last study, I want to start with my life verse. I actually quoted it in my last solo show, but I feel led to do it again. It will forever be my favorite piece of scripture because it opened up so much truth for me and is my deepest prayer for my own life. It's Psalm 1, 1 through 3. And it says this, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. When I first came to God, my understanding was darkened. The Lord had to strip away layers of false teaching, societal beliefs, and traditional ways. Salvation is a process. We will never arrive because growth is ongoing. We know this through studying and through our own lives as apostolics, that God does have a plan for how to be saved. The question for us is, are we going to stay saved? And the only person that can answer that is you, is us, as individuals. We can't believe in a once-saved, always-saved mentality because we are still sinful creatures, even after we've been forgiven. In fact, Philippians 2.12 says, Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. We are to work on our salvation. We are responsible for where we go, what we say, how we behave. We are in charge of the content we are consuming, the content we're creating, the friends that we're making, and the influence that we are projecting. Grace is not to be used as a crutch to slink past what we need to do, just so that we can make it across the finish line. Grace is God's willingness to make himself known to us so that we can act in harmony with him and make the right choices for our souls and to be a witness to others who need Jesus too. In the last study, we talked about why the Holy Ghost is essential to being saved and that it's still a promise for us now. The promise of being filled with the Holy Ghost doesn't have an expiration date. Part of this is because after we are filled with the Holy Ghost, God's Spirit is living within us. And if we have a portion of his spirit living in us, that means that it should be guiding us every day. It's by his power that we are given peace as we continue walking this life. And as we walk, we no longer are concerned with our own agenda and purpose, but with a new mission and a new message to share with others. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only so, but we glory in tribulations also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience, and patience experience, and experience hope, and hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost which is given unto us. Romans 5. 1 through 5. Living for God is not easy. If it was, more people would do it. In fact, this passage in Romans speaks about tribulations, but gives us a word that we can rejoice in hope, knowing that any trial that comes our way is making us into better people. Once we transition as a believer, we should have a different attitude about us. We should not look, act, and talk the same. We are no longer mirroring a world who doesn't know Jesus. Instead, we should be reflecting Jesus to a world that needs to know him. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. 
and be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Romans 12, 1 through 2. Romans 12, 1 and 2. Transformation renews our minds to refocus our attention on what is right. And God uses our renewed mind to almost reprogram our thoughts, desires, and actions to align with His heart. That's why we no longer love the sins we used to. And we then are able to turn away fully toward a better way of life. It's why we start being burdened by things we used to enjoy. We are changed. If so be that ye have heard him and have been taught by him, as the truth is in Jesus, that ye put off concerning the former conversation the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that ye put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Ephesians 4, 21 through 24. Righteousness is having the right character that is pleasing to God, to be in alignment with Him through action and behavior. Holiness is the process of purification, to become pure and sanctified. Both righteousness and holiness need to be present in a Christian's life. They are the standards in which the world will see that we are not the same anymore and that we're set on a new path with God. If we say we're saved, but our lives don't look like we're saved, that's not being separate enough from this world. We are to live in the world with a new mission, and that is to be a witness to others, especially those whose understanding is darkened and who are in need of true salvation. I read a quote somewhere years ago that said something like, we are to be the kind of people who walk through the fire and then turn around ready to help anyone else who is stuck in that same fire. But he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations. And then shall the end come. Matthew 24, 13 and 14. There are a few ways that we can be a witness of the gospel and changing power of God. A witness is someone who has knowledge about a person or an event due to personal experience or observation. Now, I wanted to quickly define this because it's easy for us to get caught up in our church terminology without really thinking about what the words actually mean. If we are to be witnesses to Jesus, that means we are sharing our personal experience with him to others. We are reliving the moments we've encountered him and letting other people into that intimate memory. The greatest thing you can ever do is to be a witness of Jesus by sharing your story without being ashamed. People will mock you. People will challenge you. There will be times you will wonder if it's even worth speaking up at all or even worth opening up, but the answer is, it is. It is always worth it. Because if you shared your story of how Jesus changed you to 100 people, but only one of them believed you and began their journey to God, then it's worth it. It's not fun to have confrontation. It doesn't feel good or feel productive. But most of the time, it is good and it is productive. Confrontation makes us face our story head on and teaches us how to stand up for it. If we truly believe in what happened to us and the testimony that we have in Christ, we will be tested on it. There will be people with questions. There will be people with accusations. There will be people who don't know what to say or who have too much to say. But the bottom line is you can't be scared to share your story just because it's uncomfortable. Because the truth is people can mock and criticize and judge you all they want, but they can never take away your story that you own. Your testimony is yours to keep forever and to share with others however the Lord leads you to because it's through your story that someone else will be able to start theirs. Own your story of how God changed your life, and he will give you the boldness to make a real difference. For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me his prisoner, but be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God. 2 Timothy 1, 7 and 8. 
and they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony and they loved not their lives unto the death revelation 12:11 there are three main ways we can honor our testimony and show the world that we're changed by what we say how we behave and how we appear god will use anything to share his truth if we are willing to let him I wanted to talk about these three main ways because if we want to dedicate ourselves to holy living, it's in these three areas that take the most work because they have the most impact. We have powerful influence by how we communicate, how we conduct ourselves, and how we present ourselves. People will notice that we are different. And it's within this notable difference that doors can open to share Jesus with them and what he has done for us. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. Ephesians 4, 29. Out of the same mouth proceedeth blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not so to be. James 3, 10. So let's tackle the first main way people will see that we're changed, and that is how we speak or communicate. When I first came to church, I had a mouth like a sailor, believe it or not, This was something ingrained in me pretty young. I believe that in order to appear tough or important, I had to use harsh words and it would gain me respect. I had to be like the boys and run just like the guys and speak just like they did to feel tough and important. But looking back, it actually makes me very sad because it wasn't necessary at all. It really wasn't. All those nasty words and nasty attitudes really didn't do anything, at least not anything positive. And while the world may not blink an eye if a person drops the F-bomb or slanders someone with words, it breaks God's heart. Our mouths were not created to be filthy or full of derogatory language. It's actually another way we as humans pervert something God created for good and use it for our own pleasure. It is within the first few months that I made it a goal to reverse this bad habit of mine. And it took a lot of work. I remember as a teenager and young adult, I would automatically curb my words if a parent or a boss was around. Their presence alone convicted me of what I was saying. So I began to treat the Lord the same way. If my God is everywhere and knows all things, he can for sure hear what I'm saying. So I should learn how to speak using acceptable words. Side note, when you are making an effort to using the right words, and you are careful with how you say them, people will notice and they may start to curve their own words without you even asking. This is why good communication and using the right words and nice language matters because we are representing a good God. And so I remember times when I was at work and I would have my coworkers apologize if they dropped certain language, if they said a curse word, if they said something that wasn't kind they would look at me and they would actually apologize to me and I didn't say anything at all. But they knew that I stood for something different. And that's what I mean when I say that we could be a witness to God just by the words that we use. The words of a talebearer are as wounds and they go down into the innermost parts of the belly. Proverbs 26:22. Wherefore putting away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor. For we are members one of another. Ephesians 4.25 Part of learning to use more acceptable words was also training myself to be honest and not lie. There is no way we could be a good witness to this world if we're constantly being dishonest, gossiping, or lying. If the Lord is pure and holy and we are to be like Him, then our words should reflect the God that we claim to serve. What would you think of a Christian co-worker who is known for stretching the truth in order to get her way? What would you think of a Christian classmate who is always cheating to get ahead? Being honest and upfront about the truth is a big witness to people who live in a world where you can literally get paid to lie. Just look at the selections of magazines next time you're checking out at the grocery store. Or when you're swiping on social media, just look at any news outlet out there We literally don't know what's true anymore. And that's sad. The majority of the media that we're being fed is incredibly dishonest. It really is difficult to trust the media because they have been known to lie. 
this same concept can apply to us. It will be very difficult for people to trust our testimony if we're being dishonest with other things. It will be very hard for them to trust who we are if they caught us lying or gossiping about them. And more importantly, it will be very challenging for people to look at the God that we serve and think he's actually working in our lives. If we have God active, he will be our filter for how we communicate. And even if the world doesn't hold the standard, they do expect us to hold a certain standard as Christians. They really do. We have to understand that while people outside of the church don't live by the ways of God, they do expect God's people to follow his ways. There is an expectation of kindness, gratitude, thankfulness, honesty, and service. And if the way we communicate is in opposition of those things, our words will not have the right weight and boldness and truth when it comes time to share our story with other people. Now, here are a few episodes of the podcast that will help you in this area. These are past episodes that you can go back and listen to. It's very helpful to re-listen to these episodes and be blessed. Episode 5, Tragedy of the Rich Man. Episode 19, Boundaries and Relationships with Janessa Lynn Easter. Episode 27, Idolatry and Real Truth. Episode 35, The Truth About Gossip. And episode 49, Be a Vessel with Savannah McKee. Words matter, and your intentions behind what you say are important. Too often we throw out words in order to be liked or accepted or gain attention without thinking about the consequences. But as a new person in Christ, we are to have Jesus as our filter and not only live a holy life for our own souls, but to be a witness to the lost souls we encounter every single day. This goes into the second way we can be witnesses of Jesus, and that is within our behavior. How we communicate should flow from a place of being in tune with God, and the same is true for how we act. I can't tell you how many times, even still after 13 years, that I will act with my emotions or out of what I want to do, and the Lord checks my spirit afterward. It's a gross feeling, I know, but correction from God is a beautiful thing. Without his correction, there's no growth, and if there's no growth, then we're sabotaging our salvation and our witness. My son, despise not the chastening of the Lord, neither be weary of his correction, for whom the Lord loveth, he correcteth, even as a father, the son in whom he delighteth. Proverbs 3, 11 and 12. Holy living is not saying we're perfect, but it's a commitment to respect the ways of God, allowing him to correct us so that we are perfected or made better each time. And I think this is where we start to feel guilt and shame during our walk. We can see that maybe our actions need a change, but we're overwhelmed with the idea of perfection. I actually just finished my third paperback book and I cannot wait. It's called Give It to God, Girl, and I will definitely be making a special episode talking about it. I'm looking at a July date for when I'm going to release it, and it will be available in the Hello Awesome shop and on Amazon. It's a devotional that dives into five main topics we should hand over to God so that we can receive something better. Perfectionism is one of those topics. The world needs to see that you're different. But that doesn't mean you have to pretend to be perfect. No one can relate to that because none of us are. They need to see a difference in behavior that is opposite of what they usually see on a daily basis. If your words need to be edifying to God, then your actions do too. You can't have one without the other. In fact, that brings us back to being dishonest. If you say God doesn't like something, but at a party people see you do the very thing you just said God doesn't like, you'll be labeled a hypocrite. And while sure, we can all find ourselves with this label from time to time, it's damaging to our witness and also to our relationships. For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. James 2.26 Faith is your knowledge of God, and that knowledge should lead us to take the right actions so that our behavior honors the God we claim to know and follow. Having knowledge about God without action is pointless. It's dead. There's no life. There's no purpose. It's what my pastor says is just potential. We can't change the world on potential alone. Potential only matters if there's action. It's like looking at a bee and watching it just sit there all day. Not flying, not pollinating, not helping nature bloom. 
Sure, the bee has potential to do great things. In fact, its full potential not only gives it purpose, but it also blesses others in the process. But if the bee never gets up and moves and takes action, its potential doesn't matter. There needs to be some sort of movement forward, some work that needs to happen for potential to actually start making a difference the way it's supposed to be. If we never open our Bibles to study, if we never take time to pray, if we only listen to music that doesn't praise God, and if we only do things that we want to do without accountability for our behavior, we're not living a holy life no matter how much we tell people we are. A holy life starts at home. It starts when we're alone, and it continues when others are around. A holy life starts with our relationship with Christ and how much we're willing to invest in that relationship even when no one else is around. The depth of your commitment to God will determine the impact of your influence. A holy life is a sacred and consecrated life. This can only happen if you prioritize your time to communicate with the Lord, limiting distractions, and give Him your full attention. Devotion isn't to be done just so that you can tell people how righteous you are because you said a prayer and you know a few verses. It's not for show. It's for real. It's devoting a specific time to meet with Jesus every day, whatever time of day that will work for you. Jesus doesn't really care what time you talk to him as long as you set aside time to talk. It could be in the morning or at night. Whatever you decide, keep that time daily so that you can be accountable for committing to your relationship with God. And during this time, also remember to listen to him. Communication is back and forth. It's not just one-sided. Devotion at home will set your level of influence. And honestly, as tough as it is to hear this, this is where we as believers fall the most. We are not good at letting God know he's really important to us. But how can we claim to live a holy life and how can we tell people how good Jesus is if our behavior doesn't back up our story? If our prayer life is shaky and our Bibles are collecting dust. Devotion doesn't have to be a three-hour block out of our days. Nobody has that kind of time. When the scripture says, pray without ceasing, it means to continually be postured in a way that our hearts and minds are in tune with His Spirit as we go about our days. It's to be mindful of communicating with God in all things, but especially in our behavior. I know it sounds so cliche, I know you've heard it a million times and you're probably rolling your eyes again, but hear me. The reason why your pastor or the last preacher you heard can stand up and be bold in the gospel is because they know the level of commitment that they need to have in order to make a difference. But you don't have to be called to be a preacher to preach the gospel. Honestly, we're all called to go out and share the good news, no matter what our gifts are. And God will use you as long as you are willing to fight for the life he has given you. If you are willing to step up and take action, being accountable for your behavior as a child of God, he will use you to change someone else's life. Come now and let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. If ye be willing and obedient, ye shall eat the good of the land. But if ye refuse and rebel, ye shall be devoured with the sword, for the mouth of the Lord hath spoken it. Isaiah 1, 18-20 Watch and pray, that ye enter not into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Matthew 26, 41 Consistency will lay the foundation for your behavior. Habits are formed by doing something over and over again. Pay attention to what the Lord is bringing your attention to and be consistent in adjusting whatever you need to, to make sure that you're aligned with him. You've heard the saying, don't just talk the talk, but walk the walk. So do it. Walk it. Be intentional. If you see the areas where you are weak, trust him to meet you in those areas. As long as you're willing and moving to make changes, he will be with you. People won't just be hearing your words, but watching your behavior. Let your actions confirm your testimony of what God did in your life. This leads me into the third main way we can be a witness to others, and that is in our appearance. I've heard many times from people that God doesn't care about what we wear or what we do with our bodies, and that's just not true. 
In fact, he's very specific about how we should look and how we should present ourselves because we're ambassadors now. And how can we think that the God who created the entire universe and nature that works perfectly and in order doesn't have a plan for how we are to appear? He does. We are representatives of the Lord. We are representatives of the Lord that we serve. We're his children. And you can't tell me that fathers don't care about the appearance of their children. I do believe God looks at a person's mind and heart over his appearance. But I also believe that eventually the change on the inside will be made present on the outside. One of the biggest things we can do as ladies is to be separate in how we dress our bodies compared to the world standards and compared to the opposite sex. I share about modesty in my second book, The Glitter Effect. Modesty, when it comes to what we wear, means purposefully clothing our bodies in a respectful, decent way. I can remember fighting my mother tooth and nail about my clothing. She wanted me to be ladylike and classy, but as a teenager, I just wanted to be noticed. Deep down, I yearned for the acceptance of my peers. I really did. What I didn't know was how big of a message our image sends to those around us. Certain clothing results in a certain idea about that person. It may not even be in a judgmental way. We are just programmed to think such things. But this world has a different attitude about clothing. I've heard girls say, well, if you don't like it, don't look. Or, what I choose to wear doesn't affect you. Or, I'm not responsible for how you feel when you see what I'm wearing. Or, you're not the one wearing it, so why do you care? And, I understand the pushback. Choosing our own clothes isn't just about covering nakedness anymore. It's a reflection of who we are. And so, we take it personally when we feel our apparel is attacked or disliked. I get it. But it's this thinking in modern culture that has nothing to do with God, but everything to do with us. It's carnal thinking. We want to wear what we want because it's our bodies. And with that thought, we don't have to ask him what he thinks or wants us to do because we honestly don't care. We think we are in charge of the show, and if we want to show it all, then we have a right to, regardless if it bothers the people around us. The woman shall not wear that which pertaineth unto man, neither shall a man put on a woman's garment, for all that do so are abomination unto the Lord thy God. Deuteronomy 22.5 What? Know ye not that your body is a temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own? For ye are bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20. Thirteen years ago, shortly after I was filled with the Holy Ghost and baptized, I made the choice to stop wearing pants. It was a personal decision, and it shocked those who knew me for a while. God had laid this conviction on my heart during individual Bible study time and through preaching at church. Nobody forced me to change my clothes. Nobody held me down while they threw all my pants away. This is not a cult where I had to fit in in order to continue on. This was about my relationship with God and the conviction to change my clothing came from Him alone. The teaching came from God and came from those who God gave a message to. It became clear to me that what I wore was important to God. I actually remember having a thought of how ladies used to dress in the olden days. And even though we're in modern times, it made sense to me why women should wear dresses or skirts and why men can wear pants. The choice to only wear skirts and dresses led to conflict in a few of my relationships. A childhood friend actually made an accusation that insinuated I was easily manipulated and gullible, which was insulting. Many people also hinted at brainwashing all because I didn't want to wear pants anymore all because I just wanted to change my clothes. What I had chosen to do was going against the normal mindset of the world. There will be other ladies who won't get it and think you're old-fashioned. There will be some that mock you, like the time a family member didn't think I was listening when in Spanish they told someone that I looked like an old lady in my long jean skirt. It broke my heart, but I knew why I was doing it. I knew why I was wearing skirts. Girls, do you know why you're being modest? You have to be settled in the truth for yourself or the pressure might push you over from receiving a beautiful blessing from God. 
This experience taught me that we don't have to speak a word for people to be impacted by the choices that we make, no matter how personal they may be. Our influence has power just by our presence. We have the opportunity to follow God in the midst of opposition. When we stand firm in our convictions, it's noble and an example of righteousness. We can't control how people react to our choices, but we must continually follow through, giving God the glory, and not retaliate and be bitter with our actions and our words towards those people. As a lady, one of the privileges I have is to share my relationship with the Lord through how I dress. It is a banner that waves boldly in a society that runs on perversion and rebellion. God performed a miracle in my heart, and it's an honor to reflect that outwardly. Many conversations about God was started just by people noticing how I dress. What an amazing gift that is to us. Modesty shouldn't make us feel captive. We should not feel shame to look different. This is a visual age we live in. The power of our influence is magnified more than ever. We are visually stimulated every day, and it's important what image we are portraying. What you wear does matter, whether you believe it or not. God says that it does because it's a reflection of your heart. Cleanse first that which is within the cup and platter, that the outside of them may be clean also. Matthew twenty three twenty six. Modesty isn't a product of shame, but a robe of holiness. Our father is the king of kings, and he has specific expectations for his daughters. Let him use you to be a light, clothed in dignity. There will be voices encouraging you to show it all and celebrate your body by wearing less. However, in order to make a difference, you have to be different. When I think about allowing God to determine the standards for my modest lifestyle, I am encouraged by the story of Esther. Before Esther became queen, she had to go through a process of preparation. As we look more into the details of her story, we will see that God gives Esther wisdom in how she should dress and conduct herself around the king. While the other ladies chose what they wanted, Esther had a different mindset, which set her apart from the rest. Now, I have already went through this study, and it's actually part of my book, The Glitter Effect, but you can listen to it on episode 7, Pleasing the King. So after this episode is finished, go back and listen to that one. It's one of my favorites. If you'd rather have a physical copy of The Glitter Effect, just go to HelloAwesomeMinistries.com and scroll down to find the link to grab it in the shop. But going back to the study, Esther doesn't choose the outfit she wants. Instead, she asks the king's right-hand man to choose for her because he would know what the king preferred. And it paid off because the king was so impressed by her natural beauty and what she wore and how she acted and conducted herself that Esther was crowned the new queen. This story in modern culture might make ladies angry and offended. What? How dare a man choose what I should wear? I am my own person and can do what I want. No man should be in charge of me. And this attitude completely misses the entire point of modesty. God doesn't set standards because he's a control freak or some sick, twisted bigot. In fact, Jesus is the biggest advocate for women we will ever know. I actually talk more about this and the danger of modern feminism in episode 12, Jesus an Advocate for Women. Purposeful choices are essential to pleasing the Lord. What if Esther followed the trends of the other women? Would she have been chosen as queen? From the moment she arrived, Esther was purposeful in her choices. Her influence in the kingdom became a great force in the deliverance of the Jewish people. No matter what society is doing, do what is right in the eyes of our king. The influence we've been given can be used to glorify the Lord if we just aim to please him. We're not just trying to please some random man on the street. We're trying to please our God who created us, who made us, who is the reason why we are even alive. He's not just some random guy who's trying to control us. He is the Lord. And if the Lord wants us to look and appear a certain way, we should honor that request. It's the least we can do for all the things that he has done for us. How we represent God outwardly should reflect the changes he has made within and encourage others to rise their standards to a more holy expectation. 
It can also open a door to share who our king is and what he has done. In like manner also that women adorn themselves in modest apparel with shamefacedness and sobriety, not with broided hair or gold or pearls or costly array, but which becometh women professing godliness with good works. 1 Timothy 2, 9 and 10. Now I want to just briefly talk about jewelry, hair, and makeup since we're on the subject of women and modesty. I first want to give a disclaimer that your convictions will depend on your relationship with God and what the spiritual authorities in your life teach you. What I'm going to say is how I feel because of the things God dealt with me throughout my conversion and the teaching that I've received from my pastor. There will be some ladies who will not agree, and this happens. But I feel obligated to share just a small portion of why I believe in uncut hair and only using natural face products with limited pigmentation. When I was first saved, I moved into a small one-bedroom apartment by myself. I was finally on my own as a 22-year-old, and I was learning how to live life the way Jesus wanted me to. While I was moving my stuff into my room one day, I stumbled across a paint can full of nail polishes in an old plastic bin that contained chunky jewelry. I sat there staring at these things that I had once placed value on and felt impressed by the Lord to throw them away, not give them away. When I thought about why I shouldn't give them away, I was met with the conviction that giving them away would be encouraging someone else to use them. But throwing them away meant I was taking a stand against them and starting fresh. This was tough because I had used nail polish and jewelry to express myself. It was a reflection of who I thought I was. But that's what God showed me. It was for my vanity. God was not given any glory through my use of these things. And so in the trash they went. And it felt so good to be honest. But there were two things I could not throw away. Special gold earrings and a golden guardian angel necklace that were both gifts to me as a young girl. I remember holding that necklace whenever I was afraid of the dark or sad or needed to pray. I knew it didn't have power, but it made me feel safe. In fact, I still wore them for a while even after being saved. Only a few people would comment, but I wanted the Lord to tell me what to do with these pieces. That meant a lot to me. I wanted a personal conviction from Him, and I didn't want to just do it just because I felt pressured. I knew it wasn't about the jewelry but the sentimental value that came with the jewelry. What I want everyone listening to understand that those of us who come into the church have to come to a place where we realize everything that we've ever known is wrong. That's hard. It's not easy to step back and look at the bigger picture without feeling offended or defensive. It's why we need patience as a church with new converts, trusting in God to show them the right things to do and encouraging them to keep going, even when the changes are challenging. During service one day, my pastor was teaching about those disobedient Israelites. And I can't remember if it was a lesson about the golden calf, but I heard the word loud and clear. It was a story about the people using jewelry to create idols. That wasn't even pastor's message, just a portion of scripture he was using as a reference, but I felt God in it. So right there in the middle of service, I removed my earrings and necklace, and I've never worn them since. I have them in a nice box, stored away as a keepsake, because it wasn't about another person wearing them. It was keeping them to honor my loving family and reminding me of what God did that day in my heart. He made it personal. It wasn't just a rule for the church to control people. It was a check in the spirit, letting me know that anything, anything we add to our person needs to be filtered by him no matter what. Anything that we add to ourselves should not come from a place of vanity. O ye sons of men, how long will ye turn my glory into shame? How long will you love vanity and seek after leasing? Selah. But know that the Lord hath set apart him that is godly for himself. The Lord will hear when I call unto him. Psalm 4, 2 and 3. The Lord knoweth the thoughts of man that they are vanity. Blessed is the man who thou chasteneth, O Lord, and teacheth him out of thy law. Psalm 94, 12. When it comes to whether God approves of jewelry, cut hair, or makeup, the truth lies in three questions. Who is it for? Why is it important? And what is the purpose? And if we're being honest answering these questions, we'll realize that the answers almost always point to us and not God. 
So I'm not going to just sit here and tell you what to do. I will let the Lord guide you to make the right choices. But I will share my own personal reasoning for these things and pray it will help you figure things out. Just like jewelry, I felt the Lord direct me regarding cutting my hair and makeup. Yes, I can play scriptures here and normally I would, but I want to get more personal about this. And I'll probably do a separate episode doing a Bible study if you want in the future, but I just want to briefly touch on this since this episode is not really about just appearances. Cutting my hair is telling the Lord that I can do a better job at making myself beautiful than he can. And the same thing with putting on makeup. There's nothing wrong with wanting to look presentable and looking your best, but our best shouldn't need alterations or additions. Our best should be how Jesus made us naturally. The more natural we look, the more glorified he is because we're honoring the creation that he has made. Uncut hair isn't always long hair, especially if you're a person of color. So I want to encourage any woman out there that if you have short hair and it just won't grow, it's okay as long as you're not cutting it on purpose. I have heard about ladies being shamed because of their short hair in church, and we have to be understanding. As long as scissors don't touch your hair, and yes, this also includes trimming, that's honoring uncut hair regardless of the length. It's not about the length. It's about it being uncut. Now, one last thing on this before we finish this up. The Lord shared this with me years ago, and I think about it often, especially on the days when my hair is just a thorn in my side. If the Lord is the bridegroom, and we as a church are the bride, shouldn't we have a veil? My hair is my veil, like a bride waiting for the big day. Jesus is coming, and I am wearing my veil. I will not cut it off. That would not honor my God. And so I don't cut my hair because it's my covering, bringing respect to Jesus as I walk through this life and glorifying his name, the name that is above every name, especially my own name. Again, I will do a full Bible study on this section in the future, but I just wanted to briefly share my thoughts on jewelry, hair, and makeup here. How we appear to the world has a message. What we do to our appearance does matter. How we present ourselves on the outside is a reflection on what God is doing on the inside. You cannot have the outside looking prim and proper with your heart looking ugly. If your heart is ugly, then it doesn't matter if the outside is pretty. Take care of your heart first and the changes on the inside will change you on the outside. And even in those moments where we're still trying to figure everything out, just keep in mind that your witness is not just words. It's in how you live. It's in how you work. It's in how you treat people. And it's in how you honor God with your heart and with your hands. We are called to be set apart. And that usually means we will look different. If we're blending in or we're trying to, who does that glorify? Your testimony of what God did in your life needs to be shared. So I encourage you as we wrap up this Back to the Basics series, don't shrink because you're afraid. Don't hide because you're scared of confrontations or questions. Embrace the path that God has you on. Embrace your story and own it. Trust him to give you the answers that they need to hear. Embrace being apostolic. What's the worst thing that can happen? People get mad at you and call you names. People want nothing to do with you. People will ignore you. Honestly, so what? Because someday when you're honoring God with your words, your actions, and your appearance, someone will see the change and notice something different about you. And there is a hunger in them that will draw them close to you. And they will feel compelled to be connected with you. And you will continue to be led by Jesus to share what he has done for you. And they will be pricked in their hearts to know him more for themselves, to know the truth for their lives. And in the end, if only one person comes to God because you stood your ground and you kept your convictions and you lived a holy life according to the Lord Jesus Christ and his word, if only one person sees the change in you and is changed too, it would have all been worth it. Study for yourself to be stronger in your faith, in the knowledge of who God is and what he expects from you. Challenge yourself as to why you choose to do or wear certain things and ask the Lord to guide you. Remind yourself that the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. So you must pursue God 
more during times of confusion and friction and not less. And remember, salvation is a process. Our place in heaven depends on how we steward our place down here. Steward it well, my friend. And don't let one thing derail the bigger eternal plan that God has for you. Be a light. Be bold. Be apostolic. Thank you so much for tuning into the podcast this week. This series really has blessed me and I was so thankful to be able to share it with you. If it has blessed you, please email me at helloawesomeshop at gmail.com letting me know why. It really will encourage me to continue with these solo show studies. Now I have a treat for you coming up this summer. Every single episode after this one will be a guest interview. How cool is that? Here is the breakdown, so grab a pen. Next week on July 6th, Sarah Allen from Inside the Pastor's Wife on Instagram drops some encouragement for us mamas. On July 13th, Sabrina Santiago from at s.rs64 on Instagram chats with me about friendships and having faith. The following Monday on July 20th, the talented Brooke Staten talks about music ministry and shares a word about loneliness. And then we will end season three with Boss Lady Faint Adams, CEO of Chosen Vessels on August 3rd. Faint opens up about trusting God, working hard, and what it really means to be apostolic. This summer is going to blow our minds. So many voices of wisdom and inspiration. I cannot wait to share these powerful conversations with you. Make sure you're subscribed to the Hello Awesome podcast in iTunes so you don't miss anything new coming up. And leave a five-star review to keep us seen on the charts. Now, once season three is finished later this summer, we will actually jump into season four on August 10th. It will be a shorter season and the last one to end the year, taking us through to the beginning of October. But season four will be insane. It will be a brand new series called Testify, where there will be episodes that feature real testimonies every single week from real people. I will give you more info on that as the summer goes on. But I want you to just expect more raw conversations with hearts and expect God to show up each time right here every week. All right. I love you guys so much. Enjoy the rest of your week. Contact me, DM me, send me messages if you've been encouraged by the podcast. And I will definitely be releasing an episode, a special bonus episode all about Give It to God Girl, my new paperback book that will be coming out this July. So stay tuned for that. Come back here next Monday for a brand new episode right here on the Hello Awesome Podcast. If you found this episode inspiring or helpful, would you take a screenshot of it and share it on your Instagram stories, tagging me at Hello Awesome Ministries? It will encourage me that you were blessed. Also, don't forget to leave a review and subscribe so you can tune into future episodes. To learn more about Hello Awesome, head to helloawesomeministries.com. Until next time, keep your chin up, beautiful.